Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you to North Star. As we continue this series that we've been in, we're calling it Christmas at North Star. We've been walking through the book of Isaiah. So I want you to do me a favor. Go ahead and take your Bible. Turn to Isaiah. That's where we're going to be camping out. Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to be looking at that here in just a second. This is the third week in our series. The very first week I talked about what it meant that he was a wonderful counselor 700 years before the time of Christ, this prophecy was given to Isaiah. He writes it down about this Messiah that's to come. And he talked about a wonderful counselor. And we, we spent our whole week last week, unpack, or that first week, unpacking what that meant, that he is there for us. He gets us. He understands us. He can hear us. And, and he can walk with us. And we talked about wonderful counselor last week. Steve Roach did a great job talking about what it meant that he was a mighty God. Would y'all let Steve know what a great job he did last week? It was awesome. And you got a little taste of this. What you don't know is Steve is sort of the guy that gathers all the resources for us, and then I help put it all together for what you hear on Sundays. But Steve's a guy you don't get to see a lot, but does a phenomenal job. But he talked about mighty God and, and how that piece of him, and we get that. I think we hear wonderful counselor in Jesus, and we go, oh, yeah, 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 I get that. And we hear mighty God in Jesus, and we go, well, I definitely see how he's a mighty God. But then we hear he's an everlasting father. And that's an interesting phrase to be used for Jesus. You know, you don't think of Jesus being an everlasting father. I thought God the father was a separate piece, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Would you stand with me today in Compass and True North as we read God's Word together? I've invited Hope, who led worship down here in Compass this morning. I know she leads a lot with you in True North to read for us out of Isaiah this morning. May God bless the reading of his Word. Hope? Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Verse 6, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. God, we come to you today and we love your word and we love what the word says about you and we want to learn more and more about your character and who exactly you are, God, how big you are and all of these words that describe who you are to us. We're so thankful for who you are to us and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And before you're seated, turn around and find three people around you and go, 13 more days, 13 more days. Do that real quick. I love, I love that passage. And honestly, I've never really thought about the everlasting father piece. You know, you think, so Jesus is God's son. Why in this prophecy would he be known as an everlasting father? Why would he be known as this 
piece of who he is. So if you're taking notes today, you got your notes that you got on the way in, you can go ahead and pull those out. If you got the app out, uh, go to North Star Church, Georgia, in the app store, it's the easiest way to follow along. But I want you to write down just a couple thoughts on this. When Jesus came, he became an earthly picture of our heavenly father, right? He became God with skin on. He put skin on, came to earth, and as he lived out his life, he gave us a picture of what our heavenly father was like. You know, you think about all of us have a picture. You hear the word daddy or father, and lots of different images come to your mind. Right, No matter how great your dad was or how bad your dad was, maybe you hear father and you think absentee, right? They're just, they were, my dad was never around. That's what's going through your mind. He wasn't at my ball games. He didn't come to the school performances. Maybe you didn't even have a good relationship with them. You just think of an absentee dad. Maybe you think of an overbearing dad, like nothing was ever good enough for them. They, they were the father that if you got a C, you should have gotten a B. And if you got a B, you should have gotten an A. If you got an A, it should have been a little higher A. And it was just one of those overbearing. It was just a never, I call him almost like a, a never enough dad. And, and, liter, and literally, there is a phrase called daddy wounds that's a real deal, right? I mean, there's wounds that fathers unintentionally leave because they didn't know in each of our lives. Maybe your father may not have been an overbearing bearing dad. Maybe it was just a dictatorial dad. I mean, it was just, they were the dictator of the house. They were the ones that called the shots. They were the ones that didn't work like that in my house. My mama called the shots. But anyway, so but maybe they were, maybe they were that, that dictatorial dad. It doesn't really matter. All of our fathers, no matter how great they may have been, they all fell a little bit short of what the heavenly father is. So I think back, I remember standing just a few weeks ago at the, at the aisle with my daughter, getting to ready to walk her down to pass her on to her new world of being married, right? So I have never been on that end. I've always been on the receiving end of the wedding where I'm standing there waiting on a bride to come down. I've never stood there and looked at the crowd and walked my own daughter down. And as we're standing there together, I stood there as an imperfect dad, as an imperfect, and I tried, I tried hard. How many dads are in the room? Raise your hand if you're a dad. You come up short, don't you? I mean, it doesn't matter how hard you try, you came up a little bit short. There were nights that Mary Michael would be upstairs and she couldn't sleep and she would about 1 a.m. yell out, I'm thirsty. We told her to not leave her room. Do not leave your room. Do your kids ever go through the phase? They just like getting up and we were like, don't leave your room. I'm thirsty. And there was a night, I'm not proud of, that I yelled, drink your saliva, all right? And so... It's a daddy wound. I'm sure if she had had long enough to express that that day, she was learning how to park a car. And I'm standing in the rain as she just kept backing over cones. It was not a great conversation. You know what I'm talking about. And so we all, no matter how good we are, we leave a gap of the father that he is. That's why Jesus told the story. In fact, we did a whole series around it called Homesick of what God is like as a father, and Jesus is giving us this picture of who he is and why he came. I want you to read with me Luke 
chapter 15. Just follow it on the screen. Do you want to turn in your Bible? Great, it's probably printed in your notes. But I want you to listen to this story as he illustrates for us what this father that he came to be is like. Listen to what he said. To illustrate the point further, he told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So the father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, I want you to know, this was almost um, an offense that was unforgivable. You never went to your father early to ask for your share of the estate. And he wasn't the older son who most of the estate went to. He was the younger son. And he goes and says, listen, pops, we, we need to go ahead and break this on out. I'm ready to hit the road and, and do my own thing. And so I need to go ahead and get an advance before you pass. So the father agreed and he divided the estate and the wealth between his sons. Yes or no? Was the son that didn't leave happy? Yes or no? No. Some of you argued doubting. No, he was not happy. He was hacked. It's a whole story on that. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings. He moved to a distant land and there he wasted all of his money in wild living. So was it his money or his dad's money that he wasted? Which one? What, whose was it? His dad's. It was his now, but it was his dad. He didn't earn that money. He didn't work the fields. He didn't tend the crops. He didn't sell the goods. He didn't do, it. really, he did zippity-doo-dah to earn any of that. His daddy earned it all, but he went and he blew it. He blew not some of it, it tells us. He blew all of it in wild living. About that time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and began to starve, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Now, time out real quick. Jewish audience, you didn't touch pigs. You didn't get around pigs. But now your livelihood is gonna be made off pigs. But he did it willingly because he didn't have anything. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But nobody gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. And I promise you, I don't know the distance that he went in this distant land, but forever how long it was. We did a whole series on this called Home Sake. Ever how long that distance was, 10 miles, 20 miles, 50 miles, 100 miles, whatever it was, you know this boy rehearsed his daddy I'm sorry speech because he just wanted to go and at least be treated like his hired servants. He knew what this could cost him, and he just plans the speech all the way home. He planned the speech. But his father said, verse 22, said to his servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house, put it on him, Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead. He's now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. So the, what's the next word? Begin. 
Jesus says, let me tell you what kind of heavenly father you have. Let me tell you why I am a picture of the everlasting father. Number one, ready? We only got three, really easy. Number one, he is never changing, never, never changing. Here's the word I wrote out beside it, constant. He's constant. This is not a daddy who has good days and bad days and highs and lows. No, 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 no. He is never changing. His, who he is is not based on you. And it's not based on your choices. Who he is is not based on how good you're performing. Who he is is not based on what you may think of yourself today. He is constant. I love how John said it. God's unfailing love and fa- unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God is near to the Father's heart. He has revealed God to us. And this story of the prodigal son shows a father that it's even hard to get your arms around. The son blows it. The son cashes in. The son says, Dad, take everything you've earned and give me my portion now. Basically, I remember teaching the series, basically what the son said was, Dad, it would be better off for me if you were dead. So just go ahead and give me the money now. That's what the son said by saying, give me my portion now. That's a great story to read, but I I think in our family, if one of my children said, go ahead and give it to me, what that would do to you as a father, well, fine then. If that's how it's gonna be, then you're on your own. You, you, You get off and you go do your own thing. But here's the interesting part. The father never changes how he feels about the son. That's the interesting part of the story. The son's good choices or bad choices did not change how the father felt about him. It would change how you would feel and how I would feel, but did not change how the father felt. In fact, it's interesting. So any Jewish person that heard the story back then, they thought, well, he broke the fifth commandment. He didn't honor his father and mother. I mean, he should be, he should be relegated to nothingness. That's not how you see the father responding to him. In fact, what you see is the father seeing him in the story while he was a long way off. You see the dad living out that. That's why Paul writes in Romans 8, and I want you to write this little phrase down. We're gonna move on from it. Nothing can separate me from God's love. He tells us not height nor depth, not angels or principalities, Nothing in all of creation can ever separate us from the love of God. You didn't earn it, and you can't lose it. That's the father. That's why this story of the prodigal son is Jesus telling you, Isaiah told you I was the everlasting father. Let me tell you what kind of father I look like. My goodness is not based on your good decisions or bad decisions. Number two, not only is he never changing and constant, he's forgiving. He's forgiving. 
We know the things we need to be forgiven for. They come quickly to our minds. But what about the unintended things that we need to be forgiven for? He is forgiving. At his core, he forgives. Were any of you alive, and this is a quick question, were any of you alive when Jesus died on the cross? Anybody here, there, anybody there? No, I don't, uh, if you are, I don't really know what to do with you. All right, I'd like to interview you. You'd be great on my podcast, all right? And so I don't even know what to say to you. None of us were. So when he forgave us on the cross, it was in advance of all of your sins, correct? All of your sins came post his death. Meaning, when he forgave you that day, he forgave the sins you've committed, the sins that you're currently committing, and the sins that you're gonna commit in the future. You're gonna commit other sins in the future. All of those things, why? Because he is forgiving. At his core, that's who he is. He could have told the story a lot of ways. I mean, he could, have, he could have told us who the Heavenly Father is by telling us how the Father dealt with the Son. He could have, all right, I'm gonna ask yes or no question. <clears throat> could this Father have made his Son a hired servant and still been a good dad, yes or no? He had every right to go, Listen, let me tell you how this is gonna work. You're starting over. You know, there's some companies that, and I, I'm thinking of one in particular, but it may have changed, I'm not gonna name them, but if you are employed by them and then you leave, when you come back, your years start over. You have to, like, you're starting, you could have been there 15 years, you leave because you're thinking, man, the grass is greener, I'm gonna go visit this company, I'm gonna go do it, and it's not for me, and you come back. You start your years of service, start over, and you start over at the bottom and have to work your way back. I, listen, he had every right, and you're like, Mike, no company does that. Just play with the story, all right? And so, but the, he had every right to do that. But he didn't do it. I love verse 20. Look at this. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming coming filled with love and compassion, he did what to the son? He did what? He ran to the son. He embraced him and he kissed him. He's forgiving. In fact, he's way more forgiving than you and I are of ourselves. I think some of us would almost feel better if he held stuff against us. I think we struggle with he forgives me. And we wish we could pay a little penance for it. Problem is you can't fit that in the story. That doesn't fit in the gospel. He is forgiving. At the core of who he is, he's forgiving. I, I love this little point we put in there. We are more sinful than we could ever dare to imagine and more, we're more loved and accepted, accepted than we could ever dare to hope. We're more sinful than we could ever dare to imagine. 
And we're more loved and accepted than we could ever dare to hope. He is a everlasting father whose love is never changing, it's constant. And he is forgiving. Amen, we see episodes of forgiveness and we almost don't even know what to do with it. This past week I had a gentleman on, or two weeks ago I had a guy on my podcast who spent over 20 years every Saturday with Billy Graham. He was Billy Graham's pastor. Not that that would give you an inferiority complex or anything. And so you're Billy Graham's pastor. He said every Saturday he would drive up to his mountain home and we had a whole, he's written a book on it, it's phenomenal. But we talked about the funeral. At Dr. Graham's funeral, I remember that day I took off and came home to watch the funeral. I'd never met Billy Graham. I, I went to uh, hear him speak one time at the Georgia Dome years ago when he came through Atlanta, but I, I did not know him. And there was, I mean, this guy spoke and Franklin, his son, spoke, who ran Samaritan's Purse. Most powerful speaker of the day was his daughter, not Am Graham Lotz, his other daughter, and I believe her name is Ruth. Most powerful speaker of the day. She said, let me tell you about my daddy. You all knew him, but let me tell you who he was. She said, I had gotten divorced and was gonna begin to build my life on my own and met a man and my parents were like, you're going too fast. You should slow down. My children who were grown, she was, I think she was in her 40s or 50s at this point. Her children who were grown said, mom, you don't know him. You need to stop. You need to slow down. But she said, I didn't listen to anybody. And I, we got married and I moved to Seattle, Washington. And she said, within the first night, I knew I'd made a tragic mistake. But how do you tell your dad and how do you tell your dad when he's Billy Graham? Dad, I blew it. So she said, I packed up my stuff in the middle of the night and I started the drive from Seattle, Washington to Montreat, North Carolina. And she said, the whole way I planned my speech to my daddy, what I was gonna tell him. I should have listened, you were right. And she said, when my tires hit that old gravel driveway that wound up that mountain, I had called and told him I was almost home. She said, I'll never forget. And I remember watching it with Ann. I'm not even gonna look at her because I'll start crying. She said, the only thing I can remember is standing out in the driveway with this tall, lean man that I've known as my earthly daddy. And she said, by the time I pulled in that spot in the driveway and I open my car door he's walking towards me and he just wrapped his arms around me and he said I love you welcome home a picture an earthly picture of our heavenly father an earthly portrait of how he told the story of the prodigal son of what a forgiving God looks like. He's, he's unchanging, he's never forgiving, and he's always forgiving. And number three, he's generous. 
Oh my gosh, is he generous. See, you may have grown up with your daddy wounds. You had a stingy dad, not this father. He's generous. What is he generous with? I want you to write down just a couple things. I wrote down, just I jotted down a couple. He's generous with his love, isn't he? He's generous with his peace. He's generous with hope. He's generous with his spirit. He's generous with heaven. You think about it. We're, we're, in the, the, we're in the Christmas season and people doing white elephant gifts and all that kind of stuff. Think about this. Yes or no? Can we earn heaven? Yes or no? No. Can't, do we get heaven? Yes or no? Yes. We get all of that and he gets us. That's a white elephant gift, all right? And so, I mean, but, but you're all he wants. He's generous. I had lunch with a gentleman the other day that they'd gone through a tragedy a few years ago losing a son. and He's like, how do you do what you do? How do you do it? And I said, if there isn't hope, I couldn't do it. But I got hope that this is all that there is. See, Jesus, Christmas 2,000 years ago, gave us a picture of the greatest gift ever given. See, the story of Jesus is that he gave himself for us so we could be reconciled to God. I've got so many visual images of the prodigal son story, of what I think it was like. I can see that dad and I can see the exuberance of that father while his son's still a long ways off. Everybody look at me. Not going, well, at least he's home. But running to meet him. Then the dad takes his finest robe. I want you to think about his son. He's been living with the pigs. And he was out of food. He smelled, he stunk, he was filthy. He's covered head to toe in dust and dirt. The dad doesn't go, go clean yourself up and I'm gonna give you the robe. That's not how the story plays. He covers his grime with his best. And he hugs him. Let's get this. And literally the picture is, and he kissed his face. He just kissed his face. He gave him a ring which signified that he was his son. 
He had all earthly status in that home. Here's the hard part. That's all in my brain. I didn't see it. But I'll experience one day. So will you. There's going to be a day you're going to finish here. All of us. Unless he comes back. We're all going to finish this race here. And when you finish this race here, you ain't ever perfectly clean. You got hurts and hang-ups and wounds and stuff. And when you open your eyes in heaven, it's not going to be, go get in that line there and go hit the showers and get cleaned up. It's not what it's going to be. Mike, there's the repentance line for telling your daughter to drink her saliva. Get over there and hit the line, Jack. What kind of, what, what were you thinking? No, you know what it's going to be? He's going to meet you. This is for all of us that know Christ. He's going to meet you. And before you can get a word out of your mouth, his arms are going to be around you. And I believe what you saw there is what heaven's going to be. He's going to cover your face in kisses. Said, welcome home. But I should have stopped. You're here. I give you my best. That's heaven, right? I give you all of this is yours. Now, Mike, you need to stay on the street now. This is your, this is your parcel. You barely got in, so you stay over here. It's not, it's not any, you can't find that. We want to earthly make that up. That's why John said, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard all the unimaginable things he has prepared for us because he's never changing he's forgiving and he's generous the question of the day is do you know Jesus that's the question would you pray with me Father, I could talk about this all day. So we're barely, we're barely scraping the surface of who you are. We can open our Bibles, pot a microphone, and give everybody in here a word, an uh, opportunity to share. We, we would be here all day discovering your goodness. thanks for not providing qualifying clauses of what we may or may not have done. But God, our home in heaven is only based on what this everlasting Father who put skin on and came to earth did for us to give us a picture of our Heavenly Father. right where you are today, if you're a follower of Jesus, would you just tell him thank you? 
Not I'm sorry, not just tell him thank you, would you? And our worship every week is just a thank you. It's our, it's gratitude. What else can we go and give that's fit for a king? Maybe you're here today and you say, Mike, man, I have grown up in a, a religion, falling short, a religion of you never measure up, a religion of everything that you named the father I learned about wasn't. He was always changing. It's hot and cold. He's never forgiving. He's stingy. When you earn it, you get it. Mike, I didn't know there was a, a Savior who came to be so much more. Boy, if that's you here today, that light bulb is flashing in your brain today, going, oh my gosh. So this is what it's about. Now this is what it's about. Can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? Could I? He goes like this, dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I believe you live for me. Jesus said, I believe you died for me and my sins. And you forgave them. And you rose again just for me. Come into my heart today, Lord Jesus. I want to live with you forever. I want to know that I'm going to see you on the other side. And I've got hope. Boy, if you prayed that prayer today, you just gave yourself the greatest gift you could have ever received. Welcome home. We can't wait to tell you what home's like. I don't know how you walked in today. Would you just let the Lord, the Holy Spirit speak to you right now? Would you?